Well, imagine with me that you live, imagine that you live in a high-rise apartment complex. Maybe you do live in a high-rise apartment complex, and imagine you come home from work, you're, you're thinking about your day, what you're going to have for dinner, and you pull up to where your apartment is or used to be, and you find this. Imagine your apartment has fallen over. That's exactly what happened at the Lotus apartment complex in Shanghai back in 2009 in Shanghai, China. Luckily, no one had moved in. They were still working on the complex. There was one construction worker, unfortunately, uh, that lost his life. But come to find out, it was a foundation flaw, a foundation error. Uh, some water had gotten in. They didn't build the foundation wide enough. And just like a Lego house or a Lego building, it just fell down flat. Good morning. My name is Matt Friend. I'm the senior pastor here at Bible Center Church, and I want to welcome you to our service. And this morning, we're going to be talking about those things. We're going to be talking about foundations and building a firm foundation so that we as a church can grow wider, we can grow taller, and make more of an impact uh, for the Lord's kingdom. We're in the middle of a series called All In. What does an all-in church look like? And this is uh, session sermon number two out of seven. And we'll be looking at different things in the book of Acts that classify an all-in church. Last week we saw that the all-in church is unified, but this morning we're going to see that the all-in church is growing. An all-in church is growing. We see it over and over again in the New Testament as well as in the book of Acts. Now, if you're here for the first time, if you're a guest, I want to welcome you to our service. Typically, every time I preach, I preach what I like to call double-barrel sermons. I preach to uh, people who are, have been here a long time and maybe people who are our guests, people who have been in the, in the Christian world for a long time and people who maybe have never been in church before. But this morning, you're going to get a little sneak peek behind the curtain. I'm going to be speaking only to our church family. So if this is your first time with us, come back next week. If you're new to the Christian faith, come back next week at the Municipal Auditorium. But this morning, I want to speak to all of us who call Bible Center Church our home. If you call Bible Center Church your home church, I want you to look with me, invite you to look with me in the book of Acts and see how all in churches are growing. Now, visionaries don't like to talk about hard things. We don't like to talk about negative things. I recently read a book called uh, Change, Leading Change by John Cotter. I think it was originally published in 1994. And he talks about how that in order to make change, visionaries have to push against their normal tendency of always talking about positive, happy things and sometimes talk about the reasons for change or the things that have necessitated or have caused the chain. And so that's what I want to do for the next few minutes. In this series, we're trying to take off the mask and say, this is where we are as a church, and this is where God is calling us to go. When I first received the invitation from the search committee to consider Bible Center Church a couple of years ago, really three years ago, I remember asking Pastor Lee and some others for all kinds of stats and information on the church. Numbers don't show everything, but you can usually get a good picture of the church when you get summaries of the various ministries. And I had learned that over a course of about 10 years, Bible Center Church had declined in Sunday morning attendance about 500 to 700 people over about a 10-year period. 
I learned that our nurseries are about a third the size they used to be 10 years ago. I learned that our 20s and 30-something classes was now the 40 and 50-something classes. And like one of my friends says, when we came in, there was a bunch of young 20s, and now we're all in the upper 40s. Uh, So life happens. I learned that there was no college class. I learned that there was no young professional class. And these things concerned me as a senior pastor, and they still concern me. And so this morning, I want to invite you to sense my urgency and ask the Lord to grow our church again. I read this week that there are 3,500 to 4,000 churches every year in America that shut their doors. 3,500 to 4,000. 80% of churches in North America are in decline. And as we look at the book of Acts, my prayer is that we will ask God, that we will desire from God, that we will do what the Lord calls us to do to see our church reach more people for Jesus again. What does an all-in church look like? It is growing. Turn with me to the book of Acts, if you will, in your Bible or your Bible app. The verses are also going to be on the screen. If you want to follow along on the screen, you're welcome to do that. Acts chapter 2, please stand with me out of respect for the Bible. I'm going to read several verses. Typically, I go verse by verse, but Just to catch the full weight of this, we're going to look at five different verses, all here close together. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number day by day. Acts 2, 47. Acts 2, 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts 4, 4. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Acts 5.14. Acts 5.14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Acts 6 and verse 7 is the last. Acts 6 and verse 7. So the word of God spread... The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Here's the main point this morning. The main point of our message is simply this. The deeper our church can go, the wider our church can grow. The deeper our church can go, the wider our church can grow can grow. We're going to see how the concepts of deep and wide uh, fit together in the book of Acts. Number one, all in churches grow deeper. All in churches grow deeper. What do we mean by deeper? I'm learning that everybody has their own definition of deeper. For some, if you define 13 Greek words in a sermon, you're a deep preacher, right? Uh, deeper for others maybe means that you, you read a number of verses or, or you use complex philosophical uh, techniques. But we're going to see what it means to go deeper as a church. Number one, God wants his people to know Jesus more. God wants his people to know Jesus more. Last week we saw that the early church in Acts chapter 2 continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine 
and fellowship, breaking of bread or communion and prayer. Why did the early church dig into the apostles' teaching? The answer was simple. They wanted to learn who Jesus was. If you think about it, the apostles were the 12 who had lived with Jesus for three years. They had walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus. They had seen him respond to almost every scenario. And so the apostles, after Jesus ascends back to heaven, they write down what they saw, what they experienced. And so you have these writings being copied and these traditions being passed along to the churches throughout the known world. Thousands upon thousands of people who didn't meet Jesus, who didn't walk with Jesus, are now able to read the testimony of the apostles and hear and learn who Jesus Christ really was. These are the writings that were eventually passed down and they became the Gospels. They became the New Testament. Even the people who didn't walk with Jesus, like Luke, he walked with Paul. And Paul had met with Jesus after his resurrection and ascension. So you have these apostles pointing to Jesus. John 17.3 is not in your notes, but I had to include it. John 17.3, if you want to write this down. This is life eternal. This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The purpose of the church is to glorify and point us to and change us into the image of Jesus Christ. Now think about that. I do this for a living, and so I'm just going to be, again, a little authentic with you this morning. Sometimes it's easy to go through the motions of the Christian life. Where are you going? I'm going to church. Uh, Yeah, I'm a part of the church. I'm a pastor of a church. Think about this. We are continuing a tradition. We are continuing a lineage for 2,000 years of a people who followed and worshipped and loved the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. We weren't called Christians initially. They didn't have a name initially. They were called the way or the followers of the Christ. And after a couple decades, people started making fun of these followers and called them little Christs or Christians. And eventually the name stuck. But we are here all about Jesus Christ, which is why our mission is to glorify God by producing more maturing followers of Jesus. One of the reasons this spring that we're going through the gospel of Luke and going through the gospel of Acts or the book of Acts is to learn who Jesus is. As Pastor Mike said a couple of weeks ago, it's easy for us to think that Jesus is just like us. Like we know exactly what he would do, how he would dress, where he would go. And then you read the gospels and it blows our, blows our models away. Jesus is above us. He's beyond us. His love is deeper than our love, and we get to know him by reading the Gospels. If you've noticed now, every sermon series, we have a a little Bible study for you. I believe there's still some available out in the gathering space. They're also on the app, and they're online. But going forward for years to come, we want to provide with every sermon series a book where you can go deeper in your Bible study. Now, I know that all of you find Sunday morning so deep and so intense, 
And you could hardly even imagine studying anything else after receiving such a deep, powerful sermon. I'm trying to make a joke. On Sunday morning, right? But there are many of you that have been saved a long, long time, and you need more. You want more. Let me encourage you to take advantage of those Bible studies. Pastor Mike and our staff have done a great job putting those together. This fall, we're going to go through the book of 1 Timothy verse by verse, starting, I think, the end of September. We have probably the Sunday after the levy service. The levy service is September 23rd, so probably the Sunday after the levy service. We're going to start through the book of 1 Timothy all the way to Christmas. And we're going to go verse by verse and learn who Jesus is for the church. Why do we do that? Because God wants us to know Jesus more. Number two, spiritual growth is a gift from God. Spiritual growth is a gift from God. In the book of Acts, Luke reminds us that it was God who is building and growing his church. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but who makes it grow? God makes it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Colossians 2.19, the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Before we go any further, let me encourage you. If you're growing as a Christian, if you've been saved for one week, one year, or 50 years, you've grown as a Christian because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Everything you know is of the grace of God. God put you in a place where you could know the scriptures and, and learn about him and, and grow and mature as a believer. And so I'd like us to stop for a moment and just, just in our hearts be thankful for how God has grown us by his grace. He says, if you've grown it's because God has grown you. All spiritual growth is because of God. But then we have a responsibility. We see number three. God calls us to do anything and everything biblically possible to grow spiritually. God calls us to do anything and everything biblically possible to grow spiritually. You say, Pastor Matt, you just said that if we grow, it's because of God. Now you're saying that it's our responsibility to grow spiritually. Yes, it's exactly what I'm saying. If we grow, it's to the Lord's glory. If we don't grow, it's our fault. Because God has given us everything we need for life and godliness to mature as believers in Jesus Christ. This week, I came across this verse in my study, and I, don't, I know I've read it a million times, but it never impacted me like it did this week. 2 Peter 1, 5-8, for this reason, we put it in bold, make every effort, the NIV translates it, to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness and to godliness, mutual affection, and a mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I got a little bit of a sun. 
a little bit of sunburn. Did anybody, who got a sunburn or a suntan yesterday? Anybody? Okay, I, yeah, I see some, I see a little bit out there yesterday. If you mowed the grass or like me, didn't mow the grass, if you were outside for some other reason, you got a little bit of sun. Think about how you get a suntan. You don't get a suntan by going into a dark room and mustering it up. We don't get a suntan by going in a dark room and gritting our teeth and hoping that a suntan or a sunburn sprouts out on our skin. No, we get a suntan by simply going out and being exposed to the sun. And then the sun does all the work. That's the same way you grow spiritually. You don't grow spiritually by saying, I want to be a stronger Christian. I want to say no to that temptation. I want to learn to control my temper. I want to be more like Jesus. And maybe if I grip my teeth hard enough, I will be more like Jesus. That's not how we grow. We grow the same way we get a suntan, by simply being exposed to the sun. Not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N, the Son of God through his word. So we choose, we make the discipline to get in God's word, and Jesus does the rest. So God does it, but we're responsible for making sure we're exposed to it. We're exposed to God's word through worship services. You're here. We get exposed to God's word in a smaller group or to our classes. If you're looking for a way to connect to a small group, Jane will be out at the connect table right by the fireplace after the service, before and after the services. Feel free to stop by there and say, hey, help me find a group. She'd love to help you find one or get your contact info so we can reach out to you this week. Just this morning, if you're in your 20s through 40s and you've got kids, the 20 through 40s kids class, 20 through 40s, not kids class, 20 through 40s with kids class is having a picnic right out here during the 1030 service. They have tons of food, more food than they can ever eat. And the leader said, invite the 20s through 40s with kids out there. Meet some new people. Might be a way for you to connect to a new class. We serve and we grow. We pray and we grow. Maybe this morning you have a real need in your life to grow. After the services, Pastor Dickey will be over here with his team in the prayer room. Those doors will open. And you can go meet with someone and just pray. Ask God to help you grow in a specific way as a follower of Jesus. So we see that the deeper we grow, the wider we can go. The deeper we go, the wider we can grow. All in churches grow deeper. But I want you to see something else. All in churches also grow wider. They also grow wider. What does that mean? Number one, God wants more people to know Jesus. God wants more people to know Jesus. I said a while ago that God wants his people to know Jesus more. Now we're saying God wants more people to know Jesus. You say, which is it? The answer is it's both. The Lord wants us to reach others to know the name of Jesus more. Now let's think for just a minute about the Bible. From the very beginning of the Bible, God has wanted more people to know him. About a week and a half ago, somebody asked me, this whole idea of wanting your church to grow, is that just like a new fad? Is that an American thing in the church? I'm like, no way. Now, we Americans have come up with some pretty kooky things. You know, we've got some great things, but some pretty kooky things in the church in the last couple hundred years. But the idea of wanting more people to grow in the church goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Even the Garden of Eden, God wanted people to know him. 
You see in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 22, in verse 28, he tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and take dominion over the earth. In Genesis 9-1, he tells Noah, be fruitful and increase in number and fill or take dominion over the earth. God promised Abraham in the book of Genesis that the number of his descendants would increase more than the stars of heaven. When the children of Israel were in captivity in Egypt, God multiplied them. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 6, when the children of Israel were held captive in Babylon, God says, increase in number, do not decrease. The whole purpose of Israel was not to have a holy huddle in the corner and to have therefore and no more, but the whole purpose of Israel was to be a light to the Gentiles. Isaiah says in his book, they were to be a light for the nations. So the reason God called Israel to be this special nation was that they were to take the light of God and his word to the world. The problem with Israel is that they didn't do it. For thousands of years, they kept it to themselves. And you see little glimpses leaking out. But the Lord said, I am going to call a people called the church, and they are going to get my word to the world, which is how we came into existence. Jesus' ministry attracted large crowds. The book of Acts uses big numbers like 3,000, 5,000, and thousands more. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's okay to pray that God grows our church? Do you think that's an okay prayer to pray? I hope you do. And I hope you leave this morning praying that prayer with me. I'm, I'm only almost 38 years old, and in 38 short years, I've seen this pendulum swing in our circles of Christianity. When I was a kid, we did anything and everything possible to get people to church, to get people under the sound of the gospel. One of our assistant pastors actually said, if we reach a number, it might have been a thousand people, I forget what it was, I will swallow a goldfish. Now, I just want to let you know right up front, as your senior pastor, I will never swallow a goldfish, ever. I don't care if there's 20,000 people here. I might have Richard Thompson do it, but I'm not going to swallow a goldfish. But man, we used to do all kinds of stuff. I've talked before about the, the life-size popsicle, the human-size popsicle, filling a trash can so full of Kool-Aid and throwing it in the walk-in freezer and putting a, putting a uh, broom handle down the middle of it. And then, you know, at the end of the week, the kid that brought the most visitors to VBS got the human-size popsicle, right? Now, that's kind of cool. We might want to think about that. We might want to do that. I'm not suggesting that we become a dog and pony show. That's not what I'm saying. But I think we could agree that our hearts have a tendency of growing cold. And sometimes we go the other extreme and we're like, well, Lord, if, it's a, if you want people to come, then you'll, you'll send them our way. The answer is yes. God wants more people to hear the gospel. And it's okay for us to pray that way. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 
In the last year, I've heard some questions floating around our valley of people even asking this, did Jesus die for the world? If you've never heard that question, it exists. And the rationale is that in the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter 28, it says that Jesus died for the church. And so some say, well, Jesus died for the church. He didn't die for the world. He died for everybody that he knew was going to be saved. Jesus died for just the Christians. That is baloney. And here's why. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. It's in your notes. There were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. In the context, these people were lost. These people were not on their way to heaven. But notice what Peter says about them. They were even denying the sovereign Lord who did what? Bought them. Jesus Christ didn't just die for his friends. Jesus died for his enemies. And when we as a church believe that Jesus died for every person in Charleston, we can look every person in Charleston in the eye and say, God loves you and Jesus died for you. Think about what that would do for our church and our city. God wants more people to know Jesus. That brings us to number two, numerical growth is a gift from God. Numerical growth. We said a while ago, spiritual growth is a gift from God, but number two, numerical growth is a gift from God. Acts 2.47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Matthew 16.18, Jesus said, not you, not me, but I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. God is growing his church and the growth Bible Center experienced in 75 years past was because of God. And if we grow in the ne- when we grow in the next 75 years, it's going to be because of God. Healthy things grow. My kids are going to grow. They continue to grow. They maybe one day even be taller than me. They'll never beat me at basketball, but they continue to grow. As long as they eat right and I keep them out of unsafe unhealthy circumstances, they're going to grow. Healthy things grow. Here's probably better language for us as a church as we move forward for the next 20, 30 years together. Instead of saying, what can we do to help our church grow? We should probably ask this question first. What can we do to help our church become healthy? You see, if we can help our church become more healthy, our church will grow. Because healthy things grow. It's kind of like waves of the ocean. You don't say, how can I make a wave of the ocean? But you simply say, hey, what, what, obstacles, what obstacles can I remove from the harbor so the waves can get through? And that's what we're asking right now as a church. What obstacles can we move, remove from our church so the waves of growth can get through? And that's what we think about as pastors and staff and elders. And that's what some of you talk to me about. You know, sometimes we swim in the culture of our church and we forget what our reputation is beyond these walls. And so pray with us as we're trying to overcome any reputation other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's hard, but it is possible. At our church in Louisville, 
we had a, a dear lady who came and, and she told us that God had gifted her to play the tambourine. She had the spiritual gift of playing the tambourine. I wasn't going to argue with that. I, I didn't see that gift anywhere in the New Testament, but okay, she's got the spiritual gift of playing the tambourine. I wish I had that gift. And, and so she brought it and asked if she could bring her tambourine. We were like, yeah, sure, bring tambourine. But she, there at first she would have set two or three rows back and she'd kind of play it kind of softly, you know, and everybody didn't distract from worship, but it seemed like every Sunday she just got a little bit louder with that thing. A little bit louder, and before long, she's out in the aisle with her tambourine, and not even with the beat of the music, right? I mean, it might have not been so bad if it was with the beat of the music, but it was like it was, became her show. And so we as pastors and elders, we're, we're talking like, who's going to talk to this dear lady? You know, like, hey, you talk to her. I talked to the last nut. You talk to this lady. Um, and, and finally, we had to say, you know, hey, we love you. You're glad your tambourine is here, but... When we're singing, you're just not even with the music and everybody's pointed at you. We realize that sometimes things can distract from the gospel. And we laugh at the tambourine lady, but wonder what it is in our own lives that is distracting people from believing the gospel, that our testimony is causing them to see something else other than Jesus. That's what God invites us to remove so that more people can know him. All spiritual growth and all numerical growth is because of God. Lastly, and number three, our responsibility. God calls us to do anything and everything biblically possible to reach more people for Jesus. He calls us to do anything and everything biblically possible to reach more people for Jesus. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I have become all things to all people so that by all people means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. We said a few minutes ago that God wants us to do everything possible to grow spiritually, right? That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. But in these verses, we hear that God wants us to do everything biblically possible to reach more people. The Bible Center has a huge tradition of sending the gospel through missionaries around the globe. I mean, in the past, to the sum of right now, I think it's like $350,000 a year goes to serve the gospel on mission. When I first came, I found out that there was about 50% of that going overseas. There was about 10% of that staying in Charleston. And about 40% was going to other ministries that we had connections with around the country. But they had really no international connection. Now, there are some places in our country where our missionaries are in our borders, but they're ministering to a ton of international communities. And we want to continue to support them and help them thrive. But what we've done, this is the first time I've announced this, this past year, our elders empowered our global outreach committee to shift those numbers. And so we still, 50% of that goes overseas. But now 40% of that is to reach Charleston with the gospel. Because you see, just as we send missionaries, we are to be missionaries. And you are a missionary, not just a Bible-centered church. You're a missionary of the gospel of Jesus. And we want to reach our city so that more people can know him. Next Sunday, we've got an opportunity 
down at the municipal auditorium to reach out to people who don't normally go to our church. It's a great opportunity. And as we close, I just want to ask you for your help. Can I just ask for your help? I am learning that you all are far better missionaries than me, right? At the special needs prom, we had a couple who had come in and, and uh, they didn't look like most of us look. And they didn't have a lifestyle like most of us have. And so the, the ladies were telling me that, you know, I'm just not sure that, that we could come back to Bible Center. We're never really welcome in churches. And we're like, oh my goodness, come back. We'd love to have you on a Sunday. They were here as buddies in the special needs prom. And they were all tatted up much more than me or you. And, and so I began, you know, in a typical like geeky pastoral way, I began to like explain to them why theologically it's good that they're in our church. Because that's just, you know, how I think. Totally ineffective. And so I'm beginning to tell these ladies, hey, uh, we would love to have you. Jesus says, you know, we're, uh, we're all broken. We're all on a journey. And I'm like using pastor speak. And it probably sounds like blah, 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 blah. Tyler Everett, our photographer, Nick Moon is a son-in-law. Tyler interrupts me. Like, who does he think he is, right? He's like the photographer. I'm the senior pastor. Like, what are you interrupting me for? Tyler walks over and interrupts me. And Tyler says, hey, look at this. He starts unbuttoning his shirt and showing off his tats and rolling up his sleeves. And he's comparing this. He goes, look, you are just as welcome to Bible Center as I am. We'd love to have you here. And I learned something that day. You're a much better missionary than I am. This coming Sunday, we invite you not only to attend, bring somebody with you. People who join us, people who come with us, make them feel welcomed, make them feel loved. And even if something about the service isn't your style, let's love the city of Charleston like we've never loved it before. So that more people can know Jesus and Jesus' people can know him more. This past week I read about the Chinese bamboo tree. The Chinese bamboo tree starts as a little sprout just a few inches tall. I learned that for five years, it doesn't grow. Some of you gardeners, maybe you've planted Chinese bamboo. It doesn't grow for five years. You fertilize it, you water it, you fertilize it, and you water it. If a gardener gets frustrated that it's not growing after year one, his, he can get as frustrated as he wants. It's not going to grow. If the gardener gets frustrated in year two, it's not going to matter because it's not going to grow. Year three, year four, but something amazing happens in year five. The Chinese bamboo tree grows in one year to 90 feet tall. In a 24-hour period, it can grow three whole feet. You fertilize it, you water it, and you wait for the increase. Bible Center Church, let me invite you. Let's love our city. Let's fertilize it. Let's water it with the gospel. And let's pray like we've never prayed before that God will grow our church. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for this time to speak with our church folks. Help us to love people like Jesus and forgive us for thinking that Jesus looked and acted just like us. I pray next Sunday that you would help us to get excited about being in the city, 
And Father, as thousands join us in worship, I pray that we will worship with all of our hearts, set our pride and preferences aside, and go out of our way to meet new people and to welcome them in and invite them not only to a building, but into the life of our church family. People don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Father, would you deepen us so that you can grow our influence in this city and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.